That's what it's about. You feel that? Yeah. Feels good. Wow. Truth is, we can take that everywhere we go. Because the presence of God is always with us. So I'll introduce myself. Um, some people here may not know me. I'm Courtney Olson. I'm the youth pastor here. And I also wear a couple other hats. I, um, if you listen to our audio messages or watch the videos that we post on Facebook, I do all the audio and film editing of that. I also clean the toilets and yeah, and clean the church every week. Um, I do admin stuff, and I could go on and on. Um, but I'm very thankful because you know it's in the small things that we can learn some of the greatest treasures in life, um, and it's taught me to be a servant and taught me, you know, what's really important. And so um, that's who I am. And I want to welcome everybody who's watching live. You know, we have a live audience. Um, and Clint is, Clint and Sarah got their toes in the sand, so they're having church down there. Um, but I'm really excited to share today. Um, I feel like um, the word that the Lord has put on my heart, I feel like it's going to confirm some things that where you feel like you are in your life. So I thought of a couple titles um, for this message. I kind of never really know kind of an exact title until I preach it, and then I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it is. So um, a couple of the titles that came to mind is The Path to Wholeness, right? There's wholeness. How many of you know that there's wholeness when we look at Jesus and when we identify with him and we have our whole life being in him. I mean, real wholeness. I mean, sometimes I think we hear that word tossed around, but it's, there is an expectation to see something that you've never seen before. And it's like when you get your eyes so fixated on Jesus, you're able to see, have an expectation for something that you could never imagine or dream of. And that's the life that is in, in Christ, and that's the wholeness that God offers, and that we can live outside of what our past has done or the things that we just continue to struggle with. But there is a life of real wholeness. I mean, just think about the way that Jesus walked. Jesus is the definition of what we would see as wholeness. And as we're worshiping, I'm just seeing Jesus. One of the things I like to see about God our Father and Jesus is that he is excited. Like he always carries this, he's always just cheesing. Like he has this huge grin on his face all the time. And I mean, that's a fruit of just being wholeness and wholeness with the Father. So that was one title I thought of for this message was The Path to Wholeness. The other one was The Path to, I'm going to make up a word, Godfidence. Okay? So that's, how many of you know we can have confidence in, in our abilities or our strengths? We all have things that we are obviously we're good at, you know. If you're good with your hands and you work on cars, you have confidence in your ability 
to be a mechanic or you have, if you love decorating, you have confidence in your you know, decorating abilities. I don't have much confidence in mechanical car skills. So. <laughs> but there's a confidence in God. When we have a confidence in him that any occasion in our life where we're weak, we can rise up with that confidence. That's why Paul said, you know, in my weakness, you know, I'm strong. Because his confidence was fully on the Lord. And so the other title, so I had three titles. The other title was Transformation is Determined by What You Value. And, and with that, I believe that there, how many of you know that every decision that's made in life, I believe it comes to this point. It comes from first determining what we value. I don't think there's any decision apart from we, and it's, and it's an inward decision that we make in our heart is, I value this. I mean, those who have kids or family or, or, or close friends and you reach out and to help them or, or whatever, you make these large sacrifices, right, for, for the things that we truly value. And I, I think that was initiated in the very beginning when God, when God spoke. It's not, it's not just he just said a word. I mean, there's incredible I mean, I just think of the first words that God said is, let there be light. Can you imagine how much intentionality and how much power was behind that? It wasn't just like he was just saying hello, you know, like we would say to somebody. There was just such an intentionality that it was so thought through that I have value for this place and I'm going to have value for, I'm going to set it up the best way for this creation that I love, and I'm going to crown them with glory. And so I believe that transformation begins with what you value. And if we can really, if we can really take a hold of that and not just go through the motions of life. How many of you are tired, sick and tired of just going through the motions of life? I mean, for me, I love to have fun. It's boring. <laughs> and I'm not saying that life is always meant to be fun, but there is meant to be an immense satisfaction in life, no matter what, because we have God in us, God living and breathing in us, and he wants the best for us. So I wanted to get a little transparent and vulnerable, as I was preparing for this message this Friday, I, I, I was getting ready to, I like to journal sometimes, and I just, as I was getting ready to journal, I saw the last entry that I made, and I felt like I wanted to share it with everyone today. Is that okay? So let me turn here. So this is from February 13th, and this question is uh, going through this book. Um, it's called Becoming the Person You Want to Be by uh, Dr. James Richards, and 
I've just been going through this book. You can find this um, book on Impact Ministries if this um, tickles your fancy. Um, so, but the question here that that I wrote was, it was write out the feelings that you tend to have about yourself most often. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Write out the feelings that you tend to have about yourself the most often. So I'm going to share, um, excuse my, my grammar or the way that I write. Sometimes um, when I'm journaling, I don't finish a complete thought. I have like a, a eureka moment. I'm like, oh, next, next thought. Okay, so just follow me for a second. Um, so I wrote to response to that. I said, this is hard right now. Lately, the feelings about myself have not been very life-giving. I feel I question my abilities constantly. I feel inadequate. Although I have grown tremendously in my confidence, I still feel a sense of inadequacy. I believed if I changed A, B, and C in my life that these feelings would disappear. But of course, I even just observed how I'm feeling in writing right now. These feelings of feeling not good enough, disqualified, inadequate, are not serving me well. These feelings have held me in bondage to really trust God in my life. I thought if I conquered some of the struggles of my life that everything would change. Even though I know God inspired and empowered some of the recent changes in my life. Um, so to say that, I, I just feel like there is kind of this checklist, so to speak, that we have. And, and really what this, this checklist is, it's really not of the Spirit of God at all. Like the time of transformation is now. Eternity is now. How many of you know that time is irrelevant to God? It's not even, it, it's, he doesn't even think in the sphere of time. And so I feel like a lot of us, we have this, this checklist that if, if I do A, if I do B, if I do see, if I conquer this, if I finally, well, I mean, not even like a works in the sense of like you already understand, like it's not something you have to do, but even like internally, like, oh, if I just change this area of my heart to believe, believe this, then I can finally, I can, I can finally step out and I can finally live the beautiful life that God has for me. But that thinking is so limiting, it's limiting what God can do in the now. God is in the now. God is not in the future. The Holy Spirit is now. He's present right now, and he's moving right now. The Spirit is very active. He's not more active tomorrow than he is right now in this very moment. And so if we can really get a hold of that in our hearts, then any moment in your life can be the greatest moment that you could ever have. Because this is a saying that I say that today is the happiest day of my life. And, I'm not, and I honestly don't always believe that. But the truth is today is the happiest day of my life because today I know him better than I did yesterday. 
and because it's a relationship. And so as I go down, I can say tomorrow will be the happiest day of my life tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to know him better than I did today. And so there's an aspect of experiencing, you know, eternity is not this often distant land out here. Eternity is now. And, and John 17, 3, Jesus said, and this is eternal life, that you know me. And so knowing that God is ever-present, God is always there, but what happens is we have this checklist and we have these things and we have all this stuff clouding and blinding us to what's right in front of us. And it's actually right here. If you said yes to the Holy Spirit, if you said yes to Jesus Christ, and you believed on his name, the same spirit that Jesus walked in miracles and moved in is the same spirit that lives in us. We're not leaking God. You know what I mean? Or if, like we, if, we, if we feel disqualified or we sin, we mess up, we don't, God's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of that, you know, take a little bit of that, you know. God never gives us what we deserve. He always gives us what Jesus deserves. Man, if we can get a hold of that and walk into that, you know, sometimes if we get sick or something and, and a promise of God is to walk in healing and wholeness, and we've made decisions. I, I know I, why I got sick. You know, I stayed up too late, and I ate this food, and I did all these things. And we automatically disqualify, disqualify ourselves from experiencing the promise that God has for us. When God's like, I, yeah, it, it's good to be wise. I'm not saying just go eat cheeseburgers and eat McDonald's every day. It's good to be wise and choose what we eat and make good, good decisions in our life. But the thing is, those things don't disqualify us from experiencing the promises that God has for us now. Amen. Eternal life is now. Amen. So I'm gonna, I got one more thing to share from that. So the next question or the thing that was, and these are questions that he writes at the end of each chapter, which are really good. It says, write in detail how you want to feel about yourself. So it's making a choice. This is how I want to feel. If we never make a choice, then we're just going to be subject to the emotions that come around, right? So it says, first of all, I want to feel confident and not a false sense of confidence that is derived from myself, but in Christ and me. What does confidence in Christ and me look like? I've had moments of those feelings in my life, but somehow I continue to revert back to old feelings of self. I don't want to revert back anymore. Why does dying to self seem to be such a process instead of an instant transformation? Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it worry? Or all the above? I desire to feel this overwhelming confidence from God from Christ and me towards something. I feel I cannot step out into my dreams until I really begin to deal with these emotions and feelings. I'm not saying I wait till it's all figured out and I've arrived. I just mean it starts now. My dreams begin today. I'm done dealing with the lie that I don't have anything to offer. 
I'm tired of going through the motions of life feeling inadequate, disqualified, and never good enough. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this day. Today is the day I begin dealing with these feelings. Today is the day I say yes, yes to Christ in me. I've been made free from the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life. So I don't share that to try to get some kind of sympathy. I I just share that because I, I feel like if there are people in this room and there's people in this world who are going through and trusting and believing and walking through this this thing called Christianity and finding out who we are, that we struggle with some of these same feelings. And to encourage you that you can do it, that you can walk this journey out, and we can encourage one another. So I found a nugget in the Bible that I wanted to share with you, and I feel like this really applies to, to that process or that, that, that aspect of transformation. Um, so if we could, if you have your Bibles with you, go to Proverbs 2. I'm doing it old school today. I'm actually reading from a real Bible. <laughs> Old-fashioned. So it says, um, starting in verse 1, it says, so we're going to just read through this to, to verse 10, and then I'll kind of go back um, and kind of show where we're going. So it says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and perverse and perverses the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. So everything that he's talking about, he's saying, so if you understand all these things, You'll understand righteousness, justice, equity, and every good path. So I want to go back to verse 1 where it says, My son, if you. So if we do what? It says, and treasure my commands within you. So that's the first thing. So it's going to go, I noticed three things in this set of scriptures. It was, Treasure, can everybody say treasure? treasure. Incline, Incline and apply. apply. 
So I believe these are three key components to what is aspect of salvation and experiencing tra uh, transformation. So it begins with treasuring my commands within you. So we don't have to get like legalistic about a command. A command is just a prescription to live life well. We don't have to get all goofy about it. So the command to treasure it within myself. It's very intimate that we treasure something within ourselves. And this is the aspect of determining what you value. This word that is used, used here, treasure, um, it's also used um, when Moses, you know, in Egypt, they were killing all the newborn babies. And it said that Moses was hidden. And it, the same word hidden is the word that used for treasure. It's making something so dear to you as, as a child, a child, especially a child of a Moses who would bring out the whole entire people and the children of Israel out of slavery. It's, it's holding value to the word that we're going to treasure it, that we're going to hide it within ourselves, and we're going to hide it in our heart. So that's one of the beginnings of, like he said, if you understand these things, then you'll understand righteousness. You'll understand justice, equity. And the next thing is incline your ear to wisdom. What that word incline means, it means it's like kind of the picture is like a dog that pricks up its ear. You see, Jesus many times, he said, people, you're dull of hearing, right? And this word incline, it actually, one of the words it means, it means at its most root word means sharpening. And so when Jesus is saying people are dull of their hearing, he's not, he's not saying they're deaf in their ears. What he's saying is the ears of a heart. How many of you know that we have spiritual senses? And there are senses that we need to exercise that are just not of the world. The, the, the natural senses. And it doesn't mean that they're evil or bad. It just means... There is a reality and there's a kingdom of God that we need to exercise our spiritual senses. And so mostly when he was talking to people that he said were dull of hearing were the Pharisees or the Sadducees. They were people who were so caught up in the law and so, um, so occupied with trying to qualify and basically they were self-focused in everything that they did. And so their hearts were hardened. But for us, as believers, we need to have the ears of our heart open to truth. And I believe that begins is when we really make a decision, what are we going to treasure? What are we going to value? Right? So the next thing it says, so incline your ear to wisdom, it says, and apply your heart to understanding. So when we apply our heart, to, to apply, just, it just simply just means to turn to something. That's the most basic definition to apply yourself to something is to churn. So it's just churning your heart to that thing. And so I be believe that this is evident 
in the process of salvation is first what? We hear the gospel. We hear the word. When we first got saved, what did we do? We treasured that word. We valued that word. So much that when we valued that word, our ears were inclined to hear what was being said. And then when we heard what was being said, then we applied our heart and we churned our heart towards, towards him. You know, Proverbs talks about, too, is the fear of the Lord. The, the fear of the Lord, you know, is often talked about as, as reverence and awe. But really, if you want to just break that down, it's the fear of the Lord is value, valuing everything that God says he is. That's truly what the fear of the Lord is. And Proverbs begins with saying, if you have the fear, the beginning of knowledge starts with the fear of the Lord. And really, it's the beginning of everything starts with making a decision in our hearts with what we value. And see, what happens is there are, there are so many things in our life sometimes that we need wholeness from, that there's this transformation that is awaiting us and is ready to happen, but we have, sometimes we have a lot of insecurities and we have these things that we can't even see clearly sometimes. And so if we value, if we value and treasure God's word, we value his command, And we'll learn in the New Testament that his command is to believe on the name Jesus Christ. And that is his command. So I want to go to the next scripture, and this is 1 Corinthians 1.30. Thank you, Jesus. It says, But of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you, this is chapter 2, verse 1, declaring to you for the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It says right here that Christ Jesus who became our wisdom. Jesus is this wisdom that we look to. It's him. And Paul said, I determined to know nothing Nothing but him crucified. It's Jesus, it's him crucified that we find that when we set our eyes on him, we will just naturally treasure him, incline our ear to him, and apply our heart to him. So I want to go to Romans 6. So Romans 6, 1, we'll start back. I'll uh, start back there. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So what he's saying here is, should I continue in sin uh, that grace may abound? Um, What he's previously talking about is that justification 
is given freely through Jesus Christ. That through justification, we are declared innocent when we believe on the name of Jesus Christ. And so Paul constantly had to deal with people saying, that's why when you hear Clint say, am I giving you a license to sin? And the answer is no. We don't have a license to sin. Um, Grace actually empowers us and teaches us to live godly. Um, So that's what Paul is addressing with Romans 6. But here's the good stuff. In verse 2, it says, uh, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized in Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. And so, I mean, a lot of, there's people who struggle with focusing on the cross and focusing on what Jesus went through and say, oh, that's so terrible what Jesus went through, and it is. But there is so much life and the death of Christ, that if we identify everything that we are, if we identify and we, when I, I like to see this picture that when he was on the cross, because that I was on the cross with him, my shame, my guilt, my insecurity, every single thing was nailed to the cross with him. And when, we, and when we focus on that and we let our life be about identifying with his death and his resurrection, that that is when grace, grace will empower you to live beyond what you have the ability to in your own strength. That's what grace is. Grace is a power that is not of your own. It's a divine influence on your heart to live in a way that you can never live on your own. Hebrews 10, 19 talks about a new and living way that we are meant to live when we live this life that is in Jesus who was the sacrifice once and for all. There's no more need for atonement. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all our sins, the past, present, and future. He didn't leave any of them out. That's the truth of the gospel. That's why we can walk in confidence and not be burdened down by the sin. It's it's nailed to the cross. All our disqualifications, all our shortcomings, everything that we've gone through, it's nailed to the cross. And that's why we treasure his word so dearly is because when we read something like this, you can begin to identify and experience this life. There was a moment I was, um, there was a little circumstance that happened in my life. And how many of you know if you want to work um, certain truths in your life, you should start with the small things. Because if you don't know how to do it in your daily you know, life, you know, each day, then you won't be able to do it when the big things in life come. And so it, I, it was a really silly thing with my something going on with my car, and I had to work on it, and I don't feel very 
confident with working on my car. My car wouldn't start. And so I began to go through this process of, it was a circumstance for me. And how many of you know, like, when a circumstance in life happens, sometimes you begin to think in ways that seem so alien to you. You know what I mean? Like, where did, where did this come from? This negativity and this, well, you know, this, you, you start reverting back to old feelings and old insecurities and old, and old ways. And I was going through this, this thing with my car and, you, and I just took a moment. You said, I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on what I value right now. And I just took a moment. I just, just closed my eyes, and I just started to breathe. And, I, and all these feelings and these emotions, and I just began to see Jesus. And I just began to see him on that cross. And I, and I, and I, and I was, it was the shame that I was feeling that, oh, man, I I'm a, I'm a man, I should be able to work on my car and get it running and all these feelings. And I'm like, these feelings, these belong on the cross. These were nailed on the cross. And as I began to meditate and focus on that, I began to have this, this radical joy and, this, and just this feeling of confidence and, and, and peace just overwhelm me. And I feel like we can do that in any situation in our life. If we can learn to do it in the small things, when we get in a fight with our spouse, or, you know, or we're angry at our kids, or somebody at our job is, is, is saying things, or whatever it may be, or there's somewhere we want to be, we take those emotions, and what we do is, we meditate on the death of Jesus to the fact that we put ourselves on him. That's what it means to die to self. Our life is not even our own. The feelings that we feel, they, they don't even really belong to us. And so we can make a choice. We can make a choice to carry those onto him. Because he can carry them. He can take them. And so what it looks like is what verse 4 is going to say in Romans 6, 4. Or, yeah, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that's the other part of it. In his resurrection, when that stone was rolled away, his hand was open to every single one of us, inviting us into a newness of life, to walk in a life free, free from grief, free from pain, because all of God's promises are yes and amen, amen. for every single body who would believe. And so we can have this resurrection life. It's the most beautiful thing because there's nothing too small. He can handle it. 
And the Bible says there's no condemnation. Because we have been free from the law of sin and death. Everything that is encompassed in sin and death, we've been freed by the spirit of life, from the law of the spirit of life. This is the resurrection power that we have. And if you continue to read that, it's we're no longer in dominion to sin. And this is what sin and living in the flesh is kind of like how we live in gravity. Right? You can't escape gravity, in a sense, and living in this world. But to live in this new life is like the process or the physics of lift. That when it's in action, it, it rises above gravity like a plane that uses lift. It flies. And even though gra- gravity exists, the plane is flying. And that's the same truth with us. When we meditate and gravitate to his word, then we will fly and we will soar in life. And so what I just encourage you is to treasure, treasure his death in his resurrection. Let's look at him. Let's look what he's accomplished. Let's look at everything that he did, that he was pressed. It said that he was pressed in the garden. Everything that we need is in Jesus, is in the power of his death and his resurrection. And I know that we know that, but it's a reminder that all those things, that is when transformation happens, is when you make the death and resurrection of Jesus what we treasure and what we value so that your ear can be inclined to hear his words, to hear that still, small voice speaking that I love you, that you're my child, that you can do it. I'm so pleased with you. The same words that God has whispered to Jesus is the same words that he's trying to whisper to us. The same words. (laughs) And we can carry just that, that oil of gladness that Jesus walked around with. And life can be good in feeling and we don't always have to be feeling like We're dragging something behind us. But when we anchor our life in him, then we can can walk through life and through any storm and stay at rest. That's the bottom line. That is the rest that God has promised in his word. And everybody is qualified to experience it. Nobody is left out. I bear witness of that. We're all qualified to walk in that rest that he has. 
So God, we just thank you. God, we just thank you for your truth. God, we thank you for your death, for dying for us, because you knew that we would need to put all our stuff, all our junk, and put it onto you so that we could walk in a newness of life, a resurrection life, to where that we wouldn't have to fear man, but that we would find safety because we would trust you and see how much you loved us so much that you gave your life for us and you didn't stop there. You wanted us to walk in this newness that you walk in, the same rest, the same peace, the same joy. God, we just thank you that our hearts are open for the rest of this week to hear those tender whispers. God, I just thank you for opening our hearts to see that we can experience your life. We can experience your rest. God, thank you. You freely, you freely give it to us. We open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name.